Welcome to the PM Power Podcast, where Darren Hunter from Inspired Growth Training interviews some of the world's best property management experts to give you real solutions to the biggest issues property managers struggle with everywhere. For 25 ways to control office interruptions so you can slam through more tasks faster, go to pmpowerkeys.com. Hi everyone, Darren Hunter here. Before we get into our podcast, just want to do a quick shout out for Inspection Manager. What an amazing inspection app platform that they have. And they're really excited at the moment with their tenant assisted routine inspections, where your tenants in the convenience of their own time frame and in the convenience of their rental property, they can be getting you through the app inspections, um, their own inspection or their own photos that they've done. Now this is going to help you, particularly if you're in lockdown, but what we've also found as businesses have come out of lockdown, um, they've found that perhaps they can do maybe one or even two of these inspections a year, aside from scheduling their normal routine inspections. The next step, really go and have a demo, have a look for yourself and make a decision where this could actually work for you too. So go to inspectionmanager.com, request a demo and check it out. Hi everybody, Darren Hunter here with the PM Power podcast show and a big welcome to Esther Nielsen, who is from Coronas now based in Perth and uh, Esther, welcome. Um, Thank you. you. have a wealth of experience that you're bringing with you today. And uh, just a little bit of a background for everybody. Esther, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, how long you've been in property management for. I've been in property management since 2011, been in real estate since 2017. Oh, sorry, 2007. Um, yeah, so... Uh, 10 years in property management and starting as the assistant and worked my way up to a head of property management and then gone out on my own. Cool. So, so you're it's very exciting and challenging. You're building up a small business at the moment. Congratulations. Yes. You're, also, you're also doing some training at, um, at the Real Estate Institute there in Western Australia as well. So congratulations. I know that you've got a wealth of experience. And of course, today we're doing drugs. No, we're not talking not doing about them. creating a side <laughs> business you know, for income. We're talking about the income of drug production on our rental properties. And it's a pretty serious topic because particularly in Australia and New Zealand, we are impacted by two types of drugs mainly, which is methamphetamine production in rental properties, but also hydroponic marijuana as well. And, you know, funnily enough, Esther, Adelaide, where I'm based right now in South Australia, is the capital of cannabis. We have <laughs> over 60 grow shops. I can go down the road here and go into a hydroponic grow store where on the windows and the marketing, they've got super cucumbers and super strawberries and all these nutrients you can buy. And, you know, the sad story, and I'll give a story straight off the bat. You know, a number of years ago, I was training at the Real Estate Institute here in Adelaide, and I was doing the warning signs of, of illicit drug production, which is what we're covering today. And, and, and look, if you, in any one of my sessions, you'll hear my personal uh, opinions about drugs. I hate drugs. And particularly because of what they do to good people and yeah. how they can change good people. And because good people on, you know, that get into drugs, well, they are still good people, you know, and I just get so sad about the impact that drugs have on our society and our people and our way of life, all of those sort of things. And 
you know, the, the, the fact remains that 70% of rental, 70% uh, of illicit drug production is done in rental property. So this is a very important topic today. So I'm doing this session at the Real Estate Institute, 10 minutes in, a property manager comes in late. She apologizes for being late, sits down, and I've just got off my soapbox about how much I hate drugs. And I feel if I'm running the session, it's okay for me to give my opinion, right? Yeah. So um, she sits down, she's missed my opinion, and then she realizes what we're talking about. And she says, hey, did you know that myself and my boyfriend co-own two grow shops? And I was like, ah, oh, okay. And I took a step back and and I thought, all right, I'm going to ask you a question. I said, okay, so if I can ask you a question, if your customers at your grow shop uh, had to have their, uh, legally had to give their licensed 100-point ID check and that information had to be put into a police database, what would happen? She goes, oh, no, we would actually have to shut the shop. We don't have one genuine customer. They're all growing dope. And it's like... Oh, and I was shocked. It's like, that's the truth because here in Adelaide, we have this Mediterranean climate. You know, it, it's, it's good for growing cucumbers and, and vegetables. And we've got whole suburbs north of Adelaide, which grows an amazing amount of, uh, of vegetables. And, and it's like our fruit and vegetable bowl. And, you know, we've got grapes and, all, and, and it's like, you know, there are people out there doing hydroponics. There are people that are growing orchids hydroponically. I get all of that. But these 60 grow shops are servicing the hydroponic marijuana illegal industry and 70% of those crops are in rental properties. You know, we've got a famous um, crime uh, story or situation that happened here a number of years ago with Chappelle Corby. And people say the drugs that were involved in that case, I'm not saying whether she's guilty or innocent, mm. um, but it, those drugs were from Adelaide. And so, uh, you know, the, the hydroponic marijuana is such a, 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 a difficult situation and methamphetamine production is such a difficult thing. And, you know, th let's just talk about very quickly, straight off the bat, you know, damage. Let's talk about the damage first before we get into the warning signs we've got to look out for. And, and I know you've got a, a drug story as well, a, a drug house story you want to give shortly. But, yeah. um, you know, with hydroponic marijuana, the damage that it causes to a rental property, as opposed to the methamphetamine production that can occur in a rental property, if you had a choice, a fictitious choice, where you actually had to choose, well, I'll choose that damage as opposed to that damage, you want the hydroponic marijuana damage. Yeah. Even though they screw up the electrics, so much water damage, um, there's so much damage they cause, but the methamphetamine production is on another level because of the contamination. See, yeah. with methamphetamine production, you've got, um, you've got grow lights that have to be hung from the ceilings. The plants, when they grow, they all have to have wire and they drill them into the ceilings and the wire usually, um, you know, like coat hanger wire comes from the ceilings. You then got ventilators in, in there. You know, they, they put in exhaust fans. We'll talk about that. Uh, and then you've got the water damage. They don't really give a rats about the property and all this stuff causes so much damage. But methamphetamine and the drugs used in methamphetamine production just go to your kitchen cupboard open it up look at the floor cleaner look at the bleach look at all of those types of chemicals and they're typically the sort of things without me being a cook and understanding all the ingredients yeah. um it, it, it's poison and mm. the it may as well be radiation 
because for every kilo that's produced in methamphetamine production, there's three to four kilos of toxic waste. And these people that are cooking this stuff, they don't give a rats about anyone's safety. They'll pour that toxic waste into the toilet, down the drains, into the garden, anywhere on the property where it's secluded and hidden. Um, and they certainly are not transferring it off the property for the risks that are involved. Mm. And that's where the toxicity and the problems come. I remember um, uh, Esther doing a, a, a webinar with um, a forensic cleaner that specializes in methamphetamine yeah. decontamination and the 12 steps that are involved is horrendous. The whole, you know, the whole property, um, you know, it has to be stripped. Um, you know, there, there, there is a, a legal plan that has to go in place between the house and the, and the, and the, and the, um, the skip that's used. The skip has to be covered and protected like it's got asbestos. Yeah, I was just um, going to say, it's like an asbestos sort of it, it's removal. On that level, you've got people in suits, you know, breathing apparatus, the poor people, you know, then they, they have to firstly strip everything out of the house. Um, you know, anything that is porous, that if, if methamphetamine has been produced in a property, um, fumes have got into the carpets, to the curtains, into the air conditioning duct, into the, you know, into the woodwork, it all has to be stripped out as if it's radioactive. Um, and mm -hmm. then it needs to be put into the skip, covered like it's got asbestos, taken to a special area, dumped. Imagine all the cost. But then, then, then this is when the work starts. They've got to clean the property from top to toe, every inch, the ceiling, the, 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 the doorways, the, the walls, the floors, the every, every inch has to be scrubbed. And then they put this, this foam, this chemical on it, and um, it, it, Esther, it's um, it, it's it's the you know where the chemical actually comes from? No. All right. Well, it's chemical that was created originally, I believe, the U.S. military um, for dealing with biological warfare. Um, oh, it's a wow. chemical foam that is sprayed on everything and extracts out the contaminants, and it's very expensive. Mm, and then after all the foam has been set, it's a little bit like oven cleaner spray on the oven, right? Yeah. It's very caustic, you know, and, and it extracts, you leave it on there and it extracts all the contaminants out, right? right. And then it's easier to clean off. Well, it's similar to that. And then they've got to go and rinse the whole property again from top to toe, the ceilings, the doorways, the walls, the floors. It takes weeks and weeks and weeks. And then all of the um the, the the work has to be done to um reinstate everything yeah put everything back you know and so it can cost 40 60 80 a thousand you know i'm oh, sorry 40 60 80 hundred thousand dollars um for this work and here is the deal how many so esther when you're signing up owners um you know in your career how many say oh i don't need landlord insurance or i got it sourced at a bank or even worse at the mm. supermarket yeah, quite a few. And, and when I'm discussing about insurance, obviously we can't sort of recommend anybody, but I do say to them, look, make sure that you're, I can provide you with information of industry-specific ones because they do actually cover you for things like drug um, use and drug cleanups and that sort of thing and, and the extent of costs involved in that, um, which your supermarket ones won't cover and you'll yep. be out of pocket. So it's worth paying just that little bit extra to, for peace of mind yeah correct and, and we need to property managers it's not good enough if you ask the owner have you got landlord insurance and they say yes 
is not good enough if they say, hey, look, I sourced it from a bank or a supermarket, because this is where you are going to come undone. If, mm. they, if they have a drug production occur in their rental property, hydroponics or methamphetamine, which is not covered or really restricted, they are going to be at a financial loss and they will likely go and find a lawyer that will look for holes in your case about tenant selection. And now you possibly have a lawsuit on your hands. Mm -hmm. and, and so you need to really always push quality landlord insurance. Of course, speak to your insurer about the right way of doing it. But please do not take on properties that do not have a quality landlord insurance policy attached to it. Look, in the United States, they've got Sure Investor, great policy, but I'm not sure about their coverage with drug labs and, 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 and hydroponic marijuana. Um, I think it's also good mentioning as well um, that, um, you know, in America, for example, you've got California, you've got Nevada, states like that where now marijuana is legal. So once it becomes legal, uh, I'm not saying I agree with that or not, but if it becomes legal, then it takes it off the black market. It takes it off the streets. It takes it off having to be done covertly in rental properties. So I believe eventually it will come to Australia. I believe it will eventually come to New Zealand where the laws will be changed, where marijuana will be made legal. And that'll be the end of the hydroponic marijuana industry in rental properties. Thank goodness. But yeah. uh, methamphetamine and any future drug remains. So, that's what we're talking about. And I think just moving on with this, um, Esther, and I know I'm dominating the talk. <laughs> That's all right. But, um, you know, what needs to, needs to understand is the impact of drug production in a rental property. Now, the best solution, the best cure to this is being really, really strict with your tenant application. All right. Absolutely. That, that's the best place. Um, because once they're in, now you're going to be reactory working with the damage. But, you see, when a, when a rental property um, um, is being affected, particularly with drugs, it, you've now got the other damage that is coming. Okay, you've got, you got, you got water damage, you've got wood rot, you've got the electrics are completely being screwed up. They've probably relocated the circuit board to somewhere else. Um, you know, it's been rewired, not by qualified electricians. Um, you know, you've, you've got all sorts of rubbish or trash that's been left behind, all sorts of damage. But this is where the actual damage just starts. We talked about methamphetamine decontamination as well and them dumping contaminants. It may as well be radiation. It's just as bad. Um, yeah. You've got all that. But that's, that's just the start of it because now we've got other damage occurring as well. And I just wanted to touch on that. Um, you know, Esther, we've got rent loss. How, does, yeah. you know, how can that occur? Well, because you're not able to relet the property for a period of time, you know, after after the um, you've booted out the, the bad tenant, uh, you've got all this cleanup that's happening as well as the time taken. I just wanted to just jump in with my example of, of that drug house. Now, this one actually wasn't manufacturing, but um, the tenant's daughter had actually been smoking it inside the house. So they weren't even making it, but that was bad enough because obviously the testing that they'd done was still over the 0.5 micro, whatever it is. And the costs even for that went to nearly $30,000. And that was just purely because someone had been smoking it in there. So they had to replace the air conditioner, the range hood, the carpets, they had to scrub down, repaint all those things. So for manufacturing 
you know, is going to be extensively beyond that, those sort of costs. But again, yes, then there was the time taken to do that and then the owner couldn't relet the property So for that period of time. Thankfully, he did actually have um, a good insurance policy with one of the, the leading uh, insurers, so he was appropriately covered, which was really good. I think with the methamphetamine production, if the police get involved and they shut it down, which they will, they will just take away the apparatus, they won't touch the property any further, which means it's contaminated, it will be shut down. That means you as a property manager cannot enter the property. The owner cannot enter the property. The tenant cannot enter the property. And now you've got a real problem here because now this is when the, the, the inconvenience starts. The owner can't get rent. Um, and now the, the, the cleanup process where you're going to have to then get a, a forensic cleaner that specializes in methamphetamine decontamination to come in. And that's where things start. Whether the owner is insured or not doesn't matter. The cleanup has to occur. Yeah. It has to get to a point where a um, once it's cleaned up and it's all re-renovated and everything or, or whatever, or before it's re-renovated, there has to be testing done. And that testing has to prove that contamination levels are now below a legal standard. Yeah. That has to go to a government laboratory. That all takes time. You know, mm. this place is going to be shut down for a long time, people. You yeah. need to make sure you've got quality landlord insurance that covers this and speak to the big landlord insurers out there and find out, hey, in the case of drug production at the property, um, you know, and are some of these policies too, Esther, are not covering, covering, covering for decontamination from someone smoking it. We've got to be aware that it's covering for drug production, but not from drug use. You need to be mm. aware of stuff, people as well. So it does get very, very tricky. So um, the place can be shut down for a considerable long time. And so you need to have cover so the owner isn't now going to go, well, I've got a financial loss. Who can I sue? All right. So just be aware of that. All right. So here is the damage. You've got rent loss. We've got bad word of mouth because the owner is very upset. And he's not only going to think he's got a bad tenant. He also believes he's got a bad agent. But Esther, it gets worse. The word of mouth on the street that there's a drug house there and XYZ Realty down the road manages it. Um, mm. People and gossip don't care about the circumstances and the context of how that tenant got in and what false information they gave you and blah, 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 blah. And if the media gets hold of it, now you've now got you managing a drug house in the media which means the gossip and the word of mouth is going to go really, really deep. So your reputational damage can be huge as well. Yeah. So Esther, through this, I'm just thinking we've scared people enough here. This is a very serious issue. Mm. You cannot have rental properties without quality landlord insurance. Just don't do it. Yeah. It's not worth it on your watch. Not from the two or $3,000 a year in total fees that you earn. The inconvenience and the problems and the issues will go through the roof for you. All right. You don't want to have drug production at your rental property. All right. Let's move on. Let's talk about the warning signs here. Now, these warning signs are, um, are typically um, what can be seen. Now, there's a lot of warning signs I'm going to be going through. But it doesn't mean just one warning sign means drug production is going on in your rental property. There needs to be a number of different things that create a picture that something's definitely going on. So we're going to go through the warning signs of what we can see, whether it's a, an open inspection, whether it's a listing appointment inspection, 
whether it's a routine inspection, whether it's an ingoing inspection, whether it's a final inspection, any type of inspection at a property that we're at, the warning signs we can look for, but also the warning signs that neighbours may be reporting to you as well. So directly and indirectly, the warning signs that you need to be looking out for. And any quality property manager, anyone that's serious about property management needs to know all of these warning signs and you need to remember them, all right? Because yeah. if you see one, two, three things at a rental property, there could be drug production going on, all yeah, right? Joining the dots. Yeah. So Esther, let's just start. Let's just say yeah. that, um, you know, you're a property manager and let's just say, you know, you're the boss in this situation, but let's say you're a property manager working for an agency and we, we're doing a routine inspection and we come across warning signs or we actually discover there's drug production going on at a rental property, what should the next thing, what's the next thing a property manager should do? Well, straight away, you should be notifying your um, principal and licensee. And in a, in a situation that I had, actually, it was a bailiff eviction, so it's not a routine inspection per se, but um, notifying the authorities is important as well. Um, but... Um, you know, taking yourself out of, out, if you see something like that and you are concerned, um, obviously I would be taking myself out of the house um, initially and going back to the office and reporting it. So let's go over there again. So let's say we're at the property, we're doing a routine yeah. inspection and we cover, uncover a possibly um, a drug lab. All right. What should our reaction be? Let's say the tenant's home. What's a way that, what, what should we be doing so we can get out of the property safely? Um, well, What's some agencies, thing? are you talking about um, just like the safe words or things like that, that you're, you're wanting, you or you could say that I've, something's yeah, cropped up? Rental, let's say you're in a rental property. Yep. You discover a lab. You've got tenants there. Yeah. What should the next, how do we get out of the house? What should we be doing from here? I will probably say that I'm sorry, I've got an urgent text that's come from the office. I've got an appointment that I need to get back to. Um, I need to leave now. Sorry for intruding on your time and I'll come back to you um, when I've got another you know free time or whatever the case may be and then you can just get out I mean they're not going to really necessarily keep you there but um, yeah that's what I would do just say look something urgent's come up and I need to leave I think that's a good point I think it's important that we don't create alarm we don't create suspicion that we know I think it's good to play dumb mm. um, and that we don't know you know and I think we need to maybe in a way uh, create a situation that looks like we've done an inspection. Uh, it doesn't mean we have to do a full inspection. Yeah. It just means that we've seen enough. Don't create alarm. Don't create suspicion. Mm -hmm. And hey, look, everything looks great, guys. I'll um, thank you very much. I do have to go to my next appointment. Thank you. And very politely, very safely, just casually walk to the door, out casually. <laughs> Not running. Car, sit in your car, turn the ignition, casually drive away. All right, you just, you got to be cool as a cucumber people. Yeah. All right. And from there, when you're 10 minutes, 15 minutes, get to the office, then you need to talk to management mm. straight away. All right. Yeah, I would yeah. even be putting in an email to management right away. Okay. So you got immediately it's been reported. And then with management, you got to work out what your next steps are. They should be contacting the police, do it with management and then management should also be contacting the owner and putting it in writing to the owner as well, all at the same time, all righty? Because mm. 
at right this stage, the owner must be informed in writing. Okay, so there's no comeback later. He's going to say, well, I wasn't aware of this, blah, 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 blah. And you as an employee need to be putting in writing to your manager as well. All right. So yeah. you're covered. File notes straight away. Cover, 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 cover. Now, in these sort of situations, people too, and, and we're, we're going pretty deep in this podcast, aren't we, Esther? Mm-hmm. Uh, what we need to understand is the police may not choose to take action right away. They may choose that your safety is important and they may monitor the premises and then take action at a time of their choosing. So please be aware of that. They don't want to create a situation where, aha, it must be the property manager that reported it in the eyes of the tenant, and now you're in danger, okay? So Mm -hmm. these are all the sort of things you've got to play cool, and please just get out of the property safely. Your priority is number one, okay? So, all right, let's move on. Let's move on. I reckon we're ready to get into the warning signs now. So, yep. All right. Let's talk about the warning signs. And this could either be hydroponic marijuana production or methamphetamine production in a rental property. So, firstly, you know, water damage. And I've got my list in front of me here. So, water damage to the bottom of built in robes. Um, this is for the little growers. This is where they uh, set up a, a grow light in the in the wardrobe, so it's hidden. Um, you know, and and it could be it could be hot in there, get moist. You know, water, and then you might have a final inspection to see water damage at the bottom of the built-in robe. I've come across that myself. Um, also, water stains. Um, damage to ceilings, particularly if they're, you know, and, and particularly back in my day when I was a full-time property inspector, managing 500 properties, doing all in going or moving inspections, routine inspections and move out bond or security deposit inspections, uh, full-time for 500 properties in some of the toughest suburbs in Adelaide, perhaps some of the most lowest socioeconomic suburbs in Australia. So I, I saw a bit of drugs. Um, you know, what we find, back then, people were growing it in the ceilings a lot. Um, but now people are renting properties, growing it in every room. Um, and they're even, you know, using, we'll talk about, we'll talk about some growing methods coming up, which are pretty scary. And there's speedy times that people can go from seedling to harvest. They can do it between routine inspections now, which is really, really scary, particularly even between three monthly routine inspections, Esther. Yeah, they can't that's grow a crop really scary. Used to be like they know the times, so yeah, they plan it very strategically. And they'll wreck them before you know it. You've got a house, it's been cleaned up, they've harvested, you've got remains of dried up bits of marijuana, the damage is done, they've taken off, and now you're left to to, to, to do the damage because they've got their crop and they're out of there. So, um, so we've got damage to ceiling, dirty finger marks around um, manhole, or you want to call it person hole covers, but you know, that little door in the roof uh, and in, and in Australia, New Zealand for our Americans, we have a lot of single story homes. You have a lot of double story, uh, but you know, have people been manipulating the manhole person hole cover to the roof space um, and, um, in, and been growing up there. You can see there's been a lot of activity around that particular entrance hole um, or even damage. We've even seen damage done to those. And usually if you've got a tradesperson in America, you call them vendors, but if they've been needing access to the ceiling, generally they've got a lot of duty of care around using those covers, um, but um, people doing drugs probably don't give a rip. So look out for that as a warning sign. Hi everyone, Michael from Teams by Design. We've just recently launched our after-hour phone service. What that means for you is we can now answer your phone calls from 5 p.m. Monday through Friday and 
all day Saturday and Sunday we can help you with inquiries such as property inquiry leasing inquiry maintenance support and new business inquiries so please make sure you head to teensbydesign.com leave your information we'll arrange a zoom and catch up and show you how we can help you through this also now with uh, methamphetamine it has a has a, a typical smelly sock smell so smelly socks or cat pee cat urine um it can smell like that a very uh, ammonia 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 now a lot of this stuff, I want to say, is a lot of this, this stuff is theory for me. So I've only ever once with an office that I was managing, with a property manager I was managing, we came into a methamphetamine drug crop um, after the police had been in. And this is well before we learned about safety and all this. We actually got yeah. access, looked around, oh my goodness, we better clean it up and get it re-rented. Yeah. <laughs> this is right back in the day when methamphetamine was new. And we're talking like 2002, 2003. Yeah. Uh, where we didn't have the, the restrictions that we have now. Um, but um, uh, yeah, just a really strong chemical type smell. So cat pee or smelly sock smell. So just be aware of that. Now also hazy mist in the premises. Now, um, have you ever come across a hazy mist before doing at routine inspections? No, I haven't. Yeah, I have. And it wasn't, it wasn't drugs. So I, I had a, a, an elderly couple, well, they weren't elderly, sort of in their 60s. And um, they were chain smokers. And we're talking one or two packets a day each and yeah. did it in the house. You know, it was awful. And um, the amount of smoke damage on those walls that we had to get cleaned and repainted when they moved out. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just there. And in the end, they had to be evicted because they weren't paying their rent because they were paying it on cigarettes. And for our Americans thinking, well, back of the cigarettes, you know, costing all the money. Yeah, because we've got a government that taxes the crap out of them. Um, you know, that $25 or $30 a pack. So, um, yeah, it can be very, very costly for buying cigarettes here in Australia and I think New Zealand too, but I know they're very cheap in the US. So, all right, moving on. So, um, yeah, but it, with a hazy mist, it could be it could be a methamphetamine production, which creates a hazy mist, but the problem with that and the fumes, they could be um, toxic, but also explosive as well. Now, um, if people are cooking cannabis oil, um, that's even worse. And I've seen pictures in newspapers of houses completely blown apart, like a, 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 um, a Category 5 explosion. tornado. Was, the explosion is so extreme from the fumes created by cannabis oil, which is pretty, pretty horrific. So I know in America, Nevada, California, you can just go in and buy cannabis oil and people use it for medicinal purposes but it's very dangerous in creating it, all righty? So something to be aware of. Um, all right, um, so hazy mist is another one. Now, exhaust fans installed without permission. I cannot, people, listen to this very, very carefully. I cannot think of in any way, shape, or form any reason why a tenant should feel the need to have an exhaust fan installed and let alone without your permission. All right. That's yeah. a big giveaway. If a tenant feels the need to put in an exhaust fan themselves, it usually is for one reason. They need to exhaust either fumes out of a property or warm, moist air created during the hydroponic marijuana grow process. All right? And I found one actually in a bedroom and it had one of the strings hanging down, you know, where you, you operate it. And I thought, this is so weird. Like, why would you have an exhaust fan in a bedroom? 
Yeah. And yeah, there's only one reason. reason. There's only going to be one yeah. reason. I, I can't think of any other. Maybe it's to get rid of that condensation if it's a really cold place to stop uh, mold. But oh, I, yeah. I honestly have never come across a genuine reason for a tenant to do that. Yeah, now we got bathrooms or kitchens. They need exhaust fans. I get it. And if something breaks down, the tenant reports it and we then go and get it replaced or installed or whatever. But you're talking about the tenant taking the initiative to get an exhaust fan. I just can't mm. think of any real reason why. All right, moving on. Now, um, laboratory equipment. So if we're doing an inspection, we see glass beakers and equipment. Now we've got television shows out there like Breaking Bad, uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed, actually. Two, two morons that just get away with uh, their drug production until their consequences catch up with them. But, um, the, you know, laboratory equipment, glass beakers, stuff that you see in a science laboratory, you know, that sort of thing is um, very typical of a methamphetamine production. So, you know, looking out for that. Also, an unusual number of cold or flu tablet packets. Now, this is an interesting story, particularly here in Australia. A number of years ago, they banned the sale um, or the active ingredient of um, pseudoephedrine. Pseudo so that's really was the magic inside cold and flu tablets because if you've got a cold, a really bad cold or a flu, that active ingredient was so good inside cold and flu tablets to get, really relieve your symptoms. But then mm -hmm. what people were doing was breaking into, into pharmacies and places like that and stealing all of these cold and flu tablets to take out the active ingredients so they can put it into their methamphetamine process. Um, and there's even laboratories out there or methamphetamine laboratories or type kitchens that cook up just pseudoephedrine. So they produce the active ingredient and they sell that on the black market. And there are people that have been caught at airports coming into Australia, importing in packets of pseudoephedrine so they could sell it to the, uh, you know, the drug um, to, to, to the people that want to produce drugs. So, mm. you know, just be aware of that. They need pseudoephedrine as part of the actual process. Now, in Australia, the ingredients have made their way back into cold and flu tablets because the, 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 the packets that were selling, you know, the tablets that were selling really weren't effective. So people were complaining, people like me, because they work. And yeah. so um, they're now back in and there's the restriction. That, that in Australia, you've got to have your, you know, your license produced, all that identification is taken so they can track to see if you've been shopping at all different doctors, because you've got to go to a doctor now for a prescription, um, all of that sort of thing for the pseudo epidrine ingredient in the cold and flu. So yeah, cold and flu tablets, look out for those if there's a lot of packets. All right. Um, chemical Even the container. little butane gas bottles as well, um, because oh. they use them to heat up you know they're just little tiny ones like that but you know they're random things that you wouldn't normally have in a house so if you see something like that you know something's awry so they're using them to what to for the for the smoking of the of the i don't exactly know what they they may use it to sort of heat up stuff um like if they're if they're taking it out of the kitchen per se oh, to make their oh, own little kitchen somewhere it, it's the little gas under the, yeah, under the yeah 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 yep. i get that i understand yep no well done that wasn't in my list so that's a good one Okay, um, so chemical containers lying around, you know, cleaning fluids, hydrochloric acid is actually an ingredient that's used in methamphetamine. Again, why would you want to take ice um, and, you know, crystal meth and all of that? But yeah, people are genuinely addicted to the stuff. Um, uh, or burning 
um, or seeing burnt chemical containers in yards because they don't want to transport it off the premises. They've got to get it rid of on the premises. So burning chemical containers could be another one. Um, small plastic bags lying around, little Ziploc bags. You know, mm -hmm. that's, that's how they measure out drugs, whether it's cocaine or, um, uh, you know, uh, marijuana or, or ice or, and they sell it. And, and with that, then you've got sophisticated um, really detailed weight scales. So they're not just your average ones that you stand on to see your weight or, you know, the kitchen ones to measure out your flour or anything like that. We're talking sophisticated weight scales, you know, right down to the gram, the ounce, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and seeing that. And also large amounts of um, tin foil or baking soda, um, you know, could be, uh, could be that as well. Um, electric meter um, and the electrics tampered with. Um, new wiring, unauthorized as well. Uh, powerful lights seen in wardrobe. So you, you got the wardrobe, you're doing your routine inspection, you see powerful white light coming out, which means there's a grow light on inside the wardrobe, or you see those lights under locked doors or, you know, under the door that's under the stairs. Mm. Um, you know, people grow, you know, their own marijuana in crazy places and that white light that's on or, um, you know, that, that, that's a, a telltale sign. Um, Unusual fortifications, deadlocks, alarms um, that really shouldn't be there, you know, um, padlocks on doors to bedrooms shouldn't yeah. be there. Um, and even things, Darren, like, you know, putting black plastic over the windows because um, they say, oh, so-and-so is on night shift, um, which they're permanently on night shift in the door lock, but they've got black plastic over the windows so you can't see through yeah, yeah, correct, so. correct. Black plastic. Um, uh, you've also got surveillance cameras installed. Uh, mm. You know, you know. Okay, I've had surveillance cameras, but it could be that and a number of other warning signs. Warning signs as well that creates an an air an air of suspicion. Okay. Um, now, requesting bars on windows when there's no real good reason for it too. So there's all those sort of things. Again, we've got to look for a number of warning signs, not just the one or the two. It could. Now, there's an air of suspicion around that. Um, okay, um, coat hanger wire. We talked about that. So coat hanger wire is used where they drill holes in the ceiling and they hang the wire out and they can tie the plants. As the plants are growing, the marijuana is growing, they need to support the plants. They, they tie string from the, the wire that's hanging from the ceiling to the actual plant so the plant doesn't flop over, you know, so they can grow yeah. up tall. And then, of course, it's going to create the, the, the buds, um, and, you know, um, Esther, the, the grow process now is so refined, the nutrients that are used are so um, good, and the quality um, in the actual head or the bud of the marijuana, the, the active drug ingredient, I think it's a THC, I think. THC. THC yeah. that's in that is so powerful now, it can be do more damage to the brain than what heroin can do. Mm. and the hit yeah. to the brain is and then that's not like back in our day you know when we we're teenagers you know and people are <laughs> you know are passing yeah. around the joint and it's just leaf which has got yeah. such a small amount of thc in it we're talking so powerful that it can kill people now mm. uh, we're talking crazy amounts of thc through the grow process and the active ingredients and the grow process that they use it's very refined now so it's very dangerous um Okay, so moving on, um, unusually humid rooms. It could be another warning sign. Um, the tenants could be officially unemployed, but they're driving expensive cars or their visitors are all driving expensive cars. I remember 
um, parking at the side of the road and seeing um, a grow shop putting their sign on the side of the road, you know, grow shop this way, you know, the 60, 60 plus grow shops in Adelaide. And the guy was driving a, a new BD, a, you know, a new um, Mercedes Benz. Um, and he's got this crappy little shop in this tiny little retail area. You think that, you know, they're barely making any money if it was the deli or the, the small shop next door. You know, there's a lot of money involved in these things. Yeah. Um, Even um, if you go there and there's, there's not really a lot of personal possessions. Um, so it shows that the tenant's not actually living there. They might have a, a mock-up of the bed or something and some furniture. But, you know, if there's not a lot of clothing and there's not, um, like toothbrushes and, you know, maybe they don't have a fridge or something, it, it can point you to the fact that no one's actually living there. So they're using it more as a grow house than, yeah, yeah. than actually living there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That, that's good. Um, the tenants wanting to pay their rent by cash. Uh, you know, cash is such a dying thing now, particularly through COVID where a lot of people are doing electronic payments now. And that's in Australia, of course. Um, and, um, you know, that could be a warning sign. Um, weapons, either go and doing a routine inspection and the tenant has a, an axe handle next to the door. Now, I find this is pretty funny because the Americans are thinking, you know, why does a tenant need an axe handle or a baseball bat when you can just use a, a, a semi-automatic weapon, you know, or a, yeah. you know, just a, an AR-15 or your, or your, um, um, your um, you know, your ak whatever we don't, don't know my guns up in australia okay we actually have to have a license even to carry a knife the chefs with their knives have to carry a license with them so we're really legislated around that i mean i remember i was attending a, 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 an event i was speaking at in washington dc and in the the sponsor area there was a sponsor called you know damsel in defense and they sold two property managers um 5.5 million volt stun guns in pink um, this is the crazy stuff that goes on in America. We just look at as property managers. In the yeah. street, so we can only wish. <laughs> you know, we just have our little handheld thing with a high piercing shriek on it. Yeah, yeah. Or oh, you, you can't carry a nine millimeter gun around with you like the Americans do, you know. So <laughs> yeah. tenants will have an axe handle or, you know, some type of makeshift weapon, but it's a weapon. Um, nonetheless, um, yeah. carbon dioxide gas bottles. So the lady that came into that training session, I did at the Real Estate Institute here in Adelaide, that said, oh, by the way, we've got two grow shops. She actually said, by the way, one of the fast grow processes, remember, always refining that grow process, mm -hmm. was the use of carbon dioxide. So carbon dioxide gas bottles. And what that does is normally without carbon dioxide from seedling to harvest is about four months. But we can get that down to two months by using and pumping carbon dioxide into or to the plant itself because carbon dioxide is what plants breathe and they exhale oxygen we are the opposite um and uh so carbon dioxide gas bottles is another warning sign to a very efficient grow process yeah that's amazing um, it is isn't it it's just mm. it's a science they've got it down pat there's so much money involved uh, metal drums and boxes on properties with labels removed or spray painted over could be another one um, and of course strong cannabis smell coming from the property and you might think well i've never done cannabis in your life but the people that have smoked it you would probably recognize it mm. uh, here's another one so um you know and this is um uh, you know with people or um uh, the occupants taking lots of smoke breaks outside of the property 
because if there's toxic or explosive fumes in the property, they don't want to be smoking and lighting up the house. So, um, you know, lots of smoke breaks outside of the property because flammable fumes may be present inside. Now, other than that, there's a lot of people that do smoke, but they smoke outside. So let's just keep some common sense here, mm. people. It may simply that they're just doing the right thing by you by not smoking in the house and doing the right thing by their family as well. Um, chemical odour coming from the house or from their trash or rubbish bin area. So they may have put the chemicals into the, the, the you know, what waste, we bin. The waste bin, the wheelie bin, the recycle bin or whatever, uh, or the trash can or, you know, um, mm. it, so that could be, or um, the, the occupants are unfriendly or appearing secretive about their behaviour and acting suspicious. And I've come across that. I remember, um, how about this? I'll tell you a story. All right, listen to this one. Um, when I lived in the Riverland of South Australia, there's vast tracts of what we call the Murray Mallee, which is scrub or bushland or whatever you want to call it. It's very dense. And a lot of people grow in these areas and uh, grow marijuana. And um, I remember one day I had this application. It was a really, really hard to rent property right out in the Murray Mallee area. And they were two guys from um, Sydney. Um, they wanted to rent this property. Um, they, they paid their money up in cash. And this is like 2003, 2004. Um, and they told me they were charcoal growers. And generally I learned whenever people say they're doing charcoal and producing charcoal, which is lots of burning and stuff, yeah. it means they're doing dope. Wow. I can't remember the reason why they got the property, but, um, and then the, the head tenant, they pay their rent in cash. They acted a bit suspicious um, and they, um, they wanted to install a gun cabinet into the wardrobe, which, again, in Australia, if you've got a gun, legally, you've got to have a gun cabinet, and they asked for permission to put it in a built-in wardrobe. It was just all these things adding mm. up to real suspicion, and one day, they, they left the property lightning fast. I'm thinking someone was after them, um, and they left, and I just remember charcoal. They, they were charcoal producers. And yeah, that's a new that just one. means, that. Growing, you know, that from that in that context of where I was, it, you know, I'm not saying charcoal people that produce charcoal are growers, but in yeah. the Mallee, that was very common. Um, also, um, now, what, what are some of the things the neighbors might notice? So, a paranoid or odd behavior, um, watching cars, you know, that they, the neighbors, which or your tenants could be watching cars suspiciously go by. There's that suspicious behavior going on. Mm, uh, people coming and going at all hours. Yep. yep. Um, fighting arguments. Yep. You know, either within the house or out the front. Yeah. There could be drug dealing going on, where they're just yep. simply um, uh, selling drugs, not so, so, so much producing it as well. But yeah, the people coming yep. and going all the time. That's a real problem. And and you know, just sort of the the, the wrong type of people as well. You know, bringing that bad element into the street, being a drug house, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, Windows blacked out, you talked about that, uh, black plastic or silver foil um, or boarded up with wood panels could be another one as well. Um, blinds pulled down over the windows. Um, lots of traffic, again, people coming and going, we talked about that late at night in a lot of traffic. Um, constant humming of extractor fans. Alrighty, so we might have big tubular extractor fans hanging from the ceilings which have been bolted in. Um, they can make a bit of noise and that humming of they're extracting the warm, moist air out of the property. Um, that could be an issue. Um, having lights on all the time, like constantly, you know, if they see that the house is always 
lit up, you know, because they've yep. got the lights on for growing. Yep. Or the roof space, there's lights coming through, but it can be coming through the tiles or something like that. And yeah. you know, how many times after we read in the, in the media of a fire occurred and yeah. we're behind it? It, yeah. it, it was hydroponic marijuana. Things got too hot. So you can actually create yeah, fires or um, fires caused at methamphetamine laboratories you read in the newspaper. So fires can be created through this. It's why it's such a bad thing. Um, the tenants and visitors um, uh, um, eating outside of the property. That's another one because if they're eating outside all the time, they don't want to eat inside or digesting the toxic fumes that are in the property. And so because they don't want their food contaminated, they're eating outside, all righty? So, you know, um, that could be another one. Um, putting their own trash or rubbish in the neighbor's trash or mm. rubbish, okay? That could be another one as well. Um, and, um, yeah, the, the, as you said, the, the neighbor's reporting powerful lights. So, and, and neighbor's walking past and smelling cannabis or the police walking past and smelling cannabis. Yeah. All these things that, that can actually occur. So um, there's a lot we of... We had um, uh, also like rear sheds in the backyard. Um, I think we had off air a discussion previously about cords, extension cords and power cords being run from a house right down to the back yeah. of the little corner shed yeah, and yeah, yeah, you know, all yeah. petitions. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, so I was doing a routine inspection and this was a this was like a quarter acre block. So it's a big block and the house was a small house right at the front of the block and right at the back of the property. So we had a massive backyard and uh, it was a little shed down the back and from the laundry at the front of the house, uh, at the, the back of, of the house, sorry, it was, uh, it was a cord running over the floor down the steps, all over the dirt backyard. Like we're talking, you know, yards and yards and meters and meters and meters of cord going right across probably two thirds of the property block to the little shed under that. And it was just so obvious you know, what they <laughs> yeah. were doing in there. And uh, yeah, you're growing in the shed. So, you know, and look, different states in Australia and New Zealand have different laws around what's personal use, what's not. All those, you've got to know all that as a property manager. Yeah. This is all about serious drug production occurring in rental property. 70% of illicit drug production occurs in a rental property. The other 30% could be a caravan, could be the boot of a car. It could be a commercial premises, industrial estate or whatever, but 70% is inside a rental property. And that's our area, our arena, mm. our versus property managers. So, you know, it's a very serious thing. I, I think, um, Esther, we've, we've covered some good ground today. Um, and, um, you know, I want to thank you so much for your help with this. Uh, but just That's a right. really serious message to everybody out there. You've got to stay safe. The best thing you can do is be so vigilant around your uh, application processing. Um, and I think experience comes with picking these sort of things up yeah. uh, that look suspicious. There's not a good story that, you know, that feels good. Um, because we, when we're processing an application, we look at it. So, I mean, Esther, what are some of the Enjoy warning signs? What are some of the warning signs of some of those gaps or things you can go red flags on an application? Well, there can be a bit of a gap between, um, you know, if you have a look at the years where they lived at a property and then they've put down their, their previous property and the, there's like a two or three year gap in between or their driver's licence address doesn't match with any of the um, addresses they've got on the application form 
or yep. you know so and so is a private landlord and you ring them and it ends up being their mate so you have to do um, ownership searches on the property to make sure that it is you know you are going to be speaking with the actual owner or the private landlord so yeah yeah and, and some of these guys are so good they've got some really good fake id as well mm. so you know i just think look i honestly believe the best thing we've got is is a very strict application process we've really got to know our stuff 100 point id look if a drug grower is coming in and or drug producer and they've got this really stringent 100 point identification check they have to go through it's probably going to put them off and they'll go elsewhere you know so that's a good thing um, but I also am quite, um, when I'm conducting a home open, I really sort of try to get a, a rapport with the people who are coming through. Sometimes it's hard when there's a lot of people, but you can get a bit of a gut feeling with people as well. So um, that's why I like to, if I can't meet them personally at the property and they say, oh, I can't make it, fine, no worries, let's FaceTime or Zoom or something so I can actually meet you face to face. Because yeah. sometimes they're, you know, how they present themselves at a home open um, you know, I've had people rock up with no shoes and looks like they've just got out of bed and it's just so disrespectful. It kind of sets off alarm bells straight away. The people coming into the office with no shirt on, um, yeah. get on the phone and yeah, just, we've had it all. I mean, we, yeah. I think actually, I think um, Esther, we, at another time, we need to do a session together on the warning signs of bad tenants on an application. <laughs> That's a whole session in itself that we can yeah. get fun with uh and but for another time so i'm going to wrap this up but thank you everybody for tuning in i'm hoping you got a lot out of this there's a lot of good teaching in this podcast for you to learn um and um yeah i think um we are all done so again thank you esther for your help again thanks for having uh, me esther you're in our episode one which was about dealing with phone calls and emails and taking control so you know look just go over the pm power podcast show have a look at um, all the different episodes that we've done, we specialize in big problems that property managers have, particularly what keeps property managers awake at night with stress and anxiety. That is the main issues that we're dealing with. And so we've covered some really good hot potatoes so far. Yeah. Um, and um, Esther, so yeah, again, thank you, everybody. And Esther, thank you, thank, thank you so much for helping us. No worries. Right, see see you later. Bye.